Okay, what's up guys? My name is Sean. I'm your host. I haven't done this in a really long time, but I'm really excited. I've got Gabriel, Dave, and Jamie. These two are the um, head managers of Hybrid, and Jamie's one of the head personal trainers here. So it's going to be really exciting. Um, they're a wealth of knowledge in the health and nutrition industry. So, um, Gabe, if you want to just introduce yourself, what you do. And Thanks, Sean. Um, hi, guys. First podcast ever. So, yeah. sorry if we ruined this for you guys. Sorry if we ruined the podcast. Um, my name's Gabriel. Obviously, I run the Hong Kong operation here for Hybrid. Um, been in Hong Kong for seven years. Try and play a bit of rugby. Um, not very much success. And uh, main focus with Hybrid is just making sure that we've got a good PT model here and again, pretty passionate about what I do. Uh, yeah, Dave, um, bit of background also from the UK originally. Uh, played professional rugby for uh, 10 years in the UK in Jersey uh, and then in France. I came over to Hong Kong three years ago, uh, started working a hybrid um, and then we've sort of with myself and Gabriel evolved uh, the product here and now we've got a second facility down the road which I'm now the manager. Hi guys, uh, Jamie here. So um, Philip Gabs came here for rugby but came over two years ago in the, the midst of the pandemic so not being much rugby to play unfortunately but um, Spent the time here just working at hybrids and uh, managed to get myself to uh, one of the mentor positions here. So um, my job here is just to make sure that I sort of mentor our mentees. So uh, just looking after the junior coaches and giving them the knowledge that might be lacking. That's that's really cool. So I mean, on top of like since I've been at hybrid here, um, the education's been really good. And one thing that's stood out for me is the nutrition and. It's a weird time that we're living in is that like we've got so much science, so much data to kind of have all the tools to better ourselves and to basically live longer or feel healthier. Yet it seems like we're almost regressing in so many ways because we're getting foods that are easy, easily accessible. And I, I wanted to touch upon this topic like about the role of sugar. Um, do you think it's addictive to a lot of people? Do you think it's like a choice? Or do you think that the foods have changed so that people are so like inclined to take it off the shelf and eat it and make them feel good? Or do you think that's, I mean, from experience? Um, yeah, good. So I think, obviously, look, Sean's, Sean's social media and a lot of kind of what, I, what attracted Sean to hybrid and one of the reasons why he became a coach here is because he had, he had a huge um, desire to want to learn about health and obviously the way that's nutritionally governed. So I think from a nutrition perspective like we're kind of we've got this kind of hyper adaptation to constantly feeling a little bit shit so i think a lot of our clients that we work with whether it be processed foods um, trans fats just the local char siu down the road a lot of the way the clients respond to food nowadays is because they're putting stuff into their bodies that probably two three hundred years ago wasn't necessarily there or isn't necessarily um, processed well by the body so is it addictive i i, I think lane norton probably would tear my head off and most people online will tear my head off I said it was addictive but I do think it has a, um, a stimulus response um, for a lot of clients alcohol is a gateway sugar is a gateway to binging a lot of these different things that have an impact and the client will respond addictive I don't think no but I do think it impacts us on a cellular level and often people respond that way to that. do you think it's a necessity for general population versus athletes I know there's a lot of benefits for athletes like if you take your fast digesting sugars before game. There's been a lot of evidence shown that obviously it's gonna help you improve, especially you've seen tennis players have bananas in between 
their gains. But for most general people who have got their jobs to just do a more steady state type of um, activity throughout the day, do you think sugar is necessary? Like it's a necessity, just like, like you have your proteins, your fats, um, like they seem to be the roles that keep you kind of constantly being metabolically, um, what's the word? Flexible. Flexible, but just keep you like constant homeostasis throughout the day. Do you think sugar is like, if you took out sugar, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think you've got to earn the right to have sugar in your diet. I think a lot of clients, the reason why you might re remove sugar for someone who's obese or, or carrying excess body fat is probably because their body has a stress response that's probably not as inclined to an athlete responding to sugar. So I think um, earning the right to give someone sugars is probably the primary goal. I think for Gen Pop, you take Bob, 30, 30 kilos overweight, 55% body fat, you give him sugar, all of a sudden the body ends up in a state of inflammation, uh, binge eating, all that sort of stuff. So I think, again, it's not addictive, but I also think the sugar you're exposed to usually is determined by the sugar that you're prepared for. Fair point. I mean, it's, it's, it's also weird that, like, I almost see you as, like, pre-doctors of the doctors, if that makes any sense. So, like, people go to doctors to have, like, you know, checkups on diseases or, like, whatever injuries they have. But it's almost like here at Hybrid, you set up a foundation that you can protect yourself from all these things. And I think it's so important to hammer it down because I don't think a lot of the population... Imagine if you had the education and then you kind of... We all, we all do bad stuff. We all drink. We all take stuff that we don't want to be taking from time to time just to enjoy it. I mean, we're all social human beings, but it's interesting because like the more I know about the stuff, then I know the balance. Like I know, okay, if I take too much and this is what's going to happen physiologically. So I think it's, it's good. And I think that's a really good gateway to open it up for people. But I think if you then think about functional medicine itself, you're talking about people go and see doctors, people go and see a doctor when they've got something wrong with them. They won't go and see a doctor when they haven't got anything wrong with them. But for what we're trying to do, we can massively influence people on people's health mm -hmm. just by the exposure we get to them. So a person doesn't go to a doctor and first they'll go to a doctor, they'll get a, they'll get a drug that might help them with something, but then that's it. There's nothing lifestyle-wise, there's nothing health-wise, there's nothing educational-wise that comes with that. So a lot of the stuff we try and do here is a lot of education around things to prioritize, things to think about, lifestyle, stress, nutrition, those sort of things, as opposed to you just going to see a doctor when you have a problem. Yeah. But the exposure we get, I think we can, we can influence people a lot and we can help people a lot before they even get to that stage. Obviously, you still need to go and see doctors for sure, 100%. But the ex what we can do here, I think, is, is massive as well in terms of health. And the thing, just like touching on that, just tying in what Gab said about sort of the sugar. So obviously a lot of the clientele that we work with here have highly stressful jobs. So it's always a convenience factor. And with this, it's the first thing that we see. So it's going to be highly processed, refined foods, which naturally do pack a lot of this into it. So when it comes to like sort of seeing us, it's not a sort of like drug where it's like, oh, this will help you like with sugar almost. It's when I have a, like a consult with a client, it's okay, like these are the problems in your life. Like we identify them. However, stress is going to be a big playing factor in that. And it's, we can't control stress, but it's how do we make you more resilient to it? and sort of with the education with sort of what foods to be eating and 
usually sort of revolves around sort of what one of our big things here is is about like eating as close to as mother nature as possible that plays a huge factor in a lot of things yeah in, in order to help a client become like more resilient to stress right i mean i think yeah uh, owen lacy obviously banged on about that about natural foods and anything that could you know fly swim run um he also talked about i wanted to talk about because you guys are all in um quietly quite highly qualified in strength and condition, you have experience. There's a crossover, I feel. Um, you, you have bodybuilding, powerlifting, and Olympic lifting. Now, I think they're all great tools, but how do you di differentiate like, how you implement it in sports? Because this is the thing that I found quite tricky, I still find difficult, is like, for example, football, you know? You can have a program and you set it out, but what type of exercises, how do you program it for an athlete that's coming in season because you know you could do like a shoulder press You're like yeah so what how is it going to help you but you know for me drilling like drilling playing games is going to make you better in the game but obviously how would you do it with like certain clients and plan it in that way well i think a lot of it is obviously down to exercise selection as well so you're working with an athlete if you're thinking about like a power clean or something like that technically they might not be so proficient to get the maximum out of that so instead of like trying to overcomplicate things at certain times, I think regressing it is slightly, yeah. slightly easier. So we just went to a high pull or a trap bar jump or something like that. Something that's going to minimize injury risk, but also get elicit the same response that we're trying to get in terms of like rate of force development and that sort right. of thing. So um, in terms of like athletes and like taking out eccentrics in season, those sorts of things, if it's uh, just jumping consent or whatever it may be, um, I don't think you always need athletes need that Olympic style. They can, you can produce power and produce force without going to those full Olympic movements. And there's obviously a lot of benefit to them, but if you think about the time it takes for you to actually get proficient at them and the potential risk of injury to get to that point and the, the risk to award, then I think that massively plays into uh, what we do. Interesting. So for example, you guys all play rugby. How many weight training or strength and conditioning sessions do you do a week? and then the games you play? I think it's uh, individual for like a lot of people, like obviously sort of we play in a semi-professional league as you will, so you not know, all the boys have the, the luxury of being able to probably weight train as much as they want. Boys are traders, brokers, etc. So um, they're pretty time poor. So the last thing that they probably want to do sometimes is they finish a long day of work is go to the gym, probably want to go home and spend it with their family. But, Fortunately for us, we have the luxury of one working here and being able to sort of have that flexibility of training. So, sort of just personally, I like to try and do about three sessions a week. I think that's a bit of a sweet spot for me. Anything else, I just end up fatiguing myself almost too much and that almost carries over into my training. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think when I was younger, I was doing too much. And I think also here also again a hybrid you bang on about like you know a lot of clients will come in like i need to do five six seven days a week um i think it's really cool how you 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 plan it out so it's not counterproductive and then you can build them up and peak them at a certain time but i only you know i only see professional mma athletes training that amount and then getting their their worth so it's i think it's important to tell clients that i think the quality is more important than the quantity yeah we've got someone on gt at the moment uh who's uh, a local lady who's training twice a day every day and she's not quite seeing the results she wanted to and I 
I think you're in that that's the same thing you're talking about. She's doing too much, basically. Yeah. Um, and trying to trying to get her to understand to like pull back a little bit is quite difficult. She's like, I, I just do more. It's gonna, and I'm like, no, it's almost gonna be the point of diminishing returns with a lot of this stuff. And you're gonna you're gonna go maximal as opposed to optimal. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to like talk to her about that a little bit at the moment, but it's uh, it's exactly what you're talking about in terms of pull, pull back. In terms of like female clientele. Um, do you approach it different to male clientele in terms of, let's say, for example, training versus nutrition or similar parameters? I think, um, are you talking about athletes or are you talking about gen pop? It's gen pop. I think with gen pop, um, I think a lot of the time whether you work with male or female, if you, if you understand what the problem is, you can usually find a solution. Obviously, with the fat loss journey, the performance journey for a female is very different to a male. Um, it's not going to be as linear because you need to put things in the context of their menstrual cycle. You obviously put things in the context of their training age. And usually men are predisposed to having a little bit higher tolerance to load, a little bit higher tolerance to speed, all those sort of things. I think those qualities, um, strength, speed, stamina, endurance, all those things are achievable across the board. But obviously the timeline for both of those things is probably slightly different. What would you say is, for example, I mean, I have it written down. Um, for longevity, would you say like, obviously we're, we're kind of fighting an uphill battle, right? All, as we get older, muscle mass declines, um, you get a little bit more weaker and stuff like that. Do you think strength through range of motion is more important? So flexibility, um, or do you think just like normal hypertrophy training, so just keep on like building strength is more important for let's say the average person? I think, I think when you talk about longevity, probably sarcopenia is probably the thing that people talk about. Which one, sarcopenia, so okay. the muscle degradation mass. of muscle mass. Uh, so I think a lot of people that suffer from atrophy, uh, muscle atrophy as they get a little bit older, whether that be through loading through full range, whether that just be through mechanical tension, i.e. just lifting, I think both achieve the same thing. Personally, I'm never going to be able to touch my toes, but I know that if I can squat body weight on a barbell, that for me is my indicator of longevity, i.e. muscle strength stability. So I think putting the context of the client into question, but I think that longevity aspect is the sole component is just making sure that we minimize muscle atrophy. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I obviously before when I was training a lot of, a lot of clients, so you'd, you'd kind of sell them something, but then it'd be like, okay, now what? I've done 12 weeks or I've done 16 weeks, now what? But I think if you say it like that, then they're in the long game. And don't get me wrong, it's like, I guess you want clients to get their results, but I think also if you keep them in the loop that like, it's not kind of a never ending thing. Like, it, it'll, it'll be never ending, you know, weight training is so important that just like it is, you know, to like kind of go do your steps, I think people will benefit a lot from that, so. Yeah, and I think that's like, probably like one of the things that we're most proud of most at hybrid is the sort of length of time a lot of our clients stay so you get people that sign up for like 12 16 week packages however these people often have the same for like two three plus years and i think obviously as the coach it's up to you to sort of number one what's their initial goal if you hit that in the 12 weeks perfect if you didn't maybe it's something that as your or as a coach that like you'd explain to the client like this might not be achievable in like this set amount of time however this could be a goal down the line however what we can do mm. for the next 12 weeks is put you in a place to help build you up to there so it's 
you're just constantly informing the client and if they do hit your goal again it's moving the goalpost so for example if you have like somebody comes in for like a body transformation and you get the results okay what's next so quite a lot of our clients end up taking into sort of like strength training so they want to become like as strong as possible so like perfect that's our next goal like you've identified if one of your clients performance and then mobility in performance so again it's just picking up on these like key things and that helps add to the longevity of it too yeah i think what i was talking we've been talking to a lot of people about this recently is uh, the importance of the resistance training so i was meeting a lady today looking at some like corporate wellness stuff and she was like oh, i've been trying to lose weight myself and i was like oh what have you been doing she's like i've just been doing like running three times a week and i was like oh, have you done any resistance training she's like oh no why i was like trying to explain the importance of trying to gain and maintain muscle mass while pulling away the fat as yeah. opposed to just you losing weight but losing muscle mass at the same time your metabolism down regulating and then you sort of put yourself into a, a never-ending like wedge and you can't go any further you want to be able to maintain what muscle mass you've got and potentially gain it while pulling away the fat so your metabolism stay a little bit higher and then you've got the flexibility to do more and i think a lot of people don't really understand that concept a lot of people are just like well i'll just eat less and do more cardio i was like yes initially that will You'll get some gains from that, but eventually you just put yourself into a bigger wedge where you can only eat less and only do more. And then you drive yourself into this, this deficit where your your body's then in starvation mode, yeah. survival mode, as opposed to thriving. And you've been able to fuel it properly on like a day to day, which is something I'm, I try and talk to people a lot about and explain the importance of the resistance training. Yeah, I think you get a lot of like fad calorie diets out there about super low and then people get like, oh, okay, I'm gonna get my result. But I mean, once you're, in a deficit, especially an aggressive one, you're nutrient deficient, and then it becomes so tough to actually function throughout the day. And then like, oh, why am I feeling like this? And then they probably opt out pretty quickly. So I think it's, it's good here at hybrid because the health thing is so important. And I think it's underrated. So even, even not even by like just doing an hour session here, it's like, okay, you're always talking them through like, why is this, why are you doing this, blah, blah. And then it's, it becomes like the daily rituals in a sense, they hammer it down and they're like, now it's become their like brushing teeth. Mm. So I think it's really cool. Um, I think just, I would love to like pick your brain. If you were to train any famous athlete right now, what, like who would it be and why? <laughs> any, anyone, you can choose any famous one. You have to be an athlete. Yeah, athlete. Don't choose a female celeb. Okay, yeah, if you, if you want. Claire from work. <laughs> Oh, Claire from work. Um, <laughs> Janice from Nostage. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, quite nosy, I'd go someone like uh, Tom Stoltman, the, uh, the Scottish strongman. Oh, okay. I'd just, just love to watch him just hammer some like, shoulder press and stuff. And just, yeah, I think that'd be great. Working with someone of that, that magnitude would be pretty, pretty impressive. Nice. I think um, endurance athletes are the most interesting ones to work with because everything you do is data driven and it's swimmers, cyclists, I, th I think track cyclists are the most interesting ones because they've got such a high power to strength ratio and obviously the conditioning that you do with those guys, it's, it's a different level of conditioning. Interesting. Um, I think quite generic one would be someone like sort of Tom Brady where you have like this athlete and it's just like from like an, an early age like he was never sort of pinned as that sort of physical specimen, but he was useless. Yeah, four yard dash, useless. And really? just like, like awful, but yeah. like 
like, 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 like a giraffe, like, like, look like me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> limbs everywhere, like, yeah. Um, and like, just wasn't like this physical specimen, but like, he's become one of the, like, the goats, if not like the ego of the NFL, so, and like, sort of coming towards like the tail end of his career, it's, okay, how would you get somebody like this to like, have that like, longevity, so like, maybe he can play like, another season, and just like, from a team sport perspective, find it like oh really interesting um I, I used to do like the sort of group training side and looking at the hybrid athletes and how they go through sort of accumulations into intensifications and then even like realization phases where it's okay you're taking the intensification but you're making it as like transferable as possible like, i love all that sort of strength conditioning work that's so cool actually i, lo I love all your answers because it's some really cool reasoning if i were to pick one it'd probably be like some professional footballer could be anyone but the only reason is that I remember like obviously it's a lot better now and you got to give strength conditioning uh, coaches in the UK and across Europe props for like training the, the pro footballers but I remember when I went to Brazil I was training with a pro team and like fo professional footballers I feel like they're dedicated but then some of them are so fucking lazy when it comes to just like you know, they'll, they'll come on some, like there's some really lazy trainers. So granted, they'll take their possession and their football really seriously. But when it came to the gym, I was like, the like I just couldn't understand like why. So never really took it seriously. So I think if we could implement more in that, imagine taking like a rugby mindset and strength and conditioning and putting it into football. It would be pretty like, epic. I wouldn't train Rafael the dark, so I think his OCD would make me explode. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, with that as well, I, I try and talk to the MMA members at the gym the whole time. And I always try and get these guys to do more S&C. I always say, like, we have a lot of guys who are, like, technically great, but they're not nowhere near physical specimens. They're really small guys, quite weird. I'm just like, do you not think if you, like, improved your base strength and improve your, like, muscular power, muscular endurance, it helps so much with what you're actually trying to do on the mats? And suddenly they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, come on, guys, you're missing half the battle here. Yeah, you look at things Sash did really well. Yes. Yeah. If you look at like someone like Gordon Ryan at the moment, who's um, probably the best grappler in the world at the yeah. moment, he's absolutely jacked. Is he where is he from? Uh, he's um, American. American guy. American guy, yeah. But he is physically so much stronger than everyone and also technically like mm. as good or better than everyone else. But you get two guys that are both technically good, more often than not with the stronger guy, the more powerful guy. The guy who can last longer is, is going to win that yeah. over when the technique comes down to it. So I, I try and preach this to all of the MMA guys over there, and some of it falls on deaf ears, some of them do buy in. But you always want to be the strong guy, you always want to be the fast guy. Mm. And it's like, you can be that guy. Because now you have technical Yeah, yeah you've got the technique down, and then you've also got that. Yeah. So. I always look at like Hamzat, um, he's, he's so conditioned. Uh, I mean, in Ghana, <laughs> that guy's like yeah. specimen. But, but yeah, I mean, like, I think you guys like answered everything pretty clear. So I think that's a wrap. You, they all have a game tomorrow. You guys are playing? Dave, you're the I've retired actually. I've retired. Hey, bomb the league. So yeah. Back okay. to the toilet. So um, yeah, that's a wrap, guys. So you've got a, a pretty clear understanding of what hybrids like. These are the coaches. So feel free to just swing by, and um, I'm gonna post this episode pretty soon. The next couple of weeks. So that's it. Done. <laughs>